Uh, I've been on a series, I'm finishing it up this morning, this particular series for the month of January. I've been talking to you each Sunday morning on a subject, living above sea level, living above sea level, S-E-E, sea level, what you can see. And my text, as you know, is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Say it with me, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Praise the Lord. I hope that's in your spirit by now. And uh, it, it, uh, when you get the word from here down into here, that's when it becomes alive for you. And that's when it becomes active. And that's when it'll come forth when you need it. So be sure to get the word of God in there. The first Sunday, what I've been doing each Sunday morning is just giving you a key to help you to get above sea level. In other words, above what you can see. The circumstances that you can see with your natural eye is not all there is to what's going on in your life. I can promise you that. There is a whole nother world and a whole nother level. Um, Dr. Cho wrote a book several years ago entitled The Fourth Dimension. And that's exactly what it is. There's a dimension of the spirit. And it's just as real as what you can see in the natural. In fact, it's more real. It affects what happens in the natural. And uh, we want to learn to get there. And I, I've given you a key each Sunday morning, the first Sunday of the series, uh, I shared with you from the subject, learn to rest. Learn to rest. When you cast your cares on the Lord, rest. Leave them there. In other words, don't go dragging them back. That's our problem sometimes. We bring stuff to the altar, and then we pick it up and take it right back out the door with us. No, 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 no. Once you release it to the Lord, rest. Rest in Him. You can trust Him. He can take care of it. Amen? How many of you are witness to that? God's done that for you. Amen? Sure. Praise the Lord. Second week, I talked to you about the idea of becoming a worshiper, how important that is to get you above your circumstances and your situation. If you'll become a worshiper, God always responds to worship. And as you worship Him, He's able to release angels to fight in your behalf and minister to you. And then last Sunday, I talked to you about praying without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. In other words, learn to live in an attitude of prayer. If you will live in an attitude of prayer, that means you will pray before you make decisions. You will pray before you make a mistake. You will pray before you make a judgment call. You will stop and pray. You may not have time to run somewhere and get in a prayer closet and pray. You may just have to pray quietly right there on your job. But if you will pray without, you can do that. You can in, be in a spirit of prayer at all times. I also shared a little um, help uh, that I, I did this several months ago when I preached a whole series on prayer. This is an outline of the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus gave us, there's no play, better place to learn to pray than from Jesus himself. And he taught us to pray and you know it as the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But it's more than just a prayer that you say. It is an outline for you to put your own meat to. And if you'll take this little outline, uh, it'll be very simple to pray half hour, hour without any problem at all. You just start off praising the Lord and then you move to the different areas of prayer and, and you pray those. And uh, I, I printed up a whole bunch of them and left them here last Sunday for any of you that didn't already have one. And to my surprise, we ran out. And uh, so I promised some folks that I would have some more here today. So they'll be right here after church. 
And uh, we didn't run out in the first service, so I, I printed all of them up for you in the second service and put them down here this morning, and they gobbled them up like crazy. In fact, we almost ran out in the first service, so I had to go print up a whole one. I got about 150 here, something like that. And you're welcome to it. I think it's because I said, uh, I have more than one of these at home. I have one in my, my main Bible that I read from. Uh, I have one in my Bible here that's in my prayer, little prayer place that I pray in my office. Um, I, I got them all over the place because um, I just, I like to pray as the Lord taught us to pray. So you're welcome to these. If you'd like some, you'd like more than one, or you already got some, help yourself after service this morning, and uh, you're welcome to it. But this morning, I want to give you the fourth and final key. I call this the master key, because this, if, if you will take the subject that I'm going to share with you this morning, you can wrap it around all the other three that I have given you, because this encompasses everything. This is probably the most important message that I will preach to you in this series. And the title of it is, Be Quick to Obey. Be Quick to Obey. I have a subtext, so let's go to it. It's in 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Let me stop right there. That is a profound phrase. It is powerful. It is truth, and a truth that we all need to learn and know. To obey is better than to sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. This was a message that Samuel the prophet brought to Saul the king. Saul was the favored king of Israel. They were so excited about Saul when he became king. I mean, they just, everybody was just singing his praises. He was, uh, the Bible said he was head and shoulders above everybody else, so that means he was tall. And to add to that, he was good looking. Tall and good looking. He was blessed. For us that are short and ugly, he, that's a curse. But uh, <laughs> he, was, he was tall and, and good looking. And he started off great. He started off very humble uh, in his attitude and his worship to the Lord and so forth. But the more the praises came, the more he took them seriously. Um, listen, when folks brag on you, don't take it too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God very seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, and, and he got all puffed up with pride. He got to feeling his height, and he got to feeling his beauty, and he got to feeling his oats. They made him a rock star. And boy, he was really reveling in that to where after a while he got to thinking that since I'm the hottest thing in, in all of this country and, and uh, I can do as I please, I'm the king, man, I'm the king. Um, I don't know whether you've ever heard this story or not, but uh, it all, I, I always appreciated this. 
You know, when Elvis, when they first started referring to Elvis as king, you remember that many years ago? Uh, it didn't start out that way, but they started referring to him as king. There was a whole bunch of college girls that came to one of his concerts, and they got right in the center section where he'd be sure and see it. And they had put, put these plaques together that spelled out Elvis is king. And right in the middle of his concert, they all stood up and held these great big old things, these, these big placards up that said, Elvis is king. And Elvis stopped the concert right there. And he said, Elvis is not king. There is no king but Jesus. And uh, amen. If Saul had had just a little bit of that humility, he might have been able to serve out his term as king. But he got to thinking he was, sure enough, the king. And he didn't have to listen to the prophets. He didn't have to listen to God or anybody else. And so if you read this story in 1 Samuel 15, you'll discover that what Samuel had done was give Saul a word from the Lord. He said, the Amalekites uh, are going to be a, a thorn in the side of Israel. In fact, if we don't do something with them, they're going to destroy Israel at some time, or at least kill maybe hundreds of thousands of them. So God said, I've given them a chance to repent. They're unrepentant. Their wickedness has come to a full, and I'm going to prevent um, more people killed in the future. I want you, Saul, to go destroy the Amalekites. And so Saul went out. In fact, uh, Samuel told him, he said, God doesn't want anything. He doesn't want their cattle. He doesn't want to destroy everything. And uh, Saul decided that he would keep the cattle and the sheep and the oxen, all these things for, for himself. And after all, he's king. He'd just add to his wealth. And, uh, and so he didn't do what God told him to do. In fact, he didn't even kill the king of the Amalekites. So brought, brought him and and uh, Oleg, and, and, and so when Samuel gets to where Saul is, Saul comes out to add insult to injury. Here he comes out, not only is he haughty and high-minded, but he's plain arrogant. He said, I have done what the Lord God has said do. Well, he hadn't done what the Lord God said do. He'd only done a part of what the Lord God had said do. Listen, folks, sin is sin. And, and, and a half lie is not truth. Amen? And we need, we need to get a hold of that. And so he, he's, he's plain lying. And so Samuel says to him, if you've done what the Lord said do, what is this lowing of the oxen and bleeding of the sheep that I hear? What, what's, what's that sound that I hear? Now, I don't know if Samuel actually heard the animals the, the, the cattle lowing and the sheep bleeding, or whether he heard that in the spirit, but he heard it. And he said to Saul, what's this I hear? And Saul said, oh, he said, oh, about that. He said, uh, you know, I, the people made me do that. The people didn't want to, they wanted to spare the the wealth of the of, of these people, not destroy all that. So I just I just heeded the people. And Samuel said, you've made the mistake of your life. He said, I want to tell you something. Here's the way God looks at it. God prefers obedience 
even over sacrifice. And because you've disobeyed, and he could have easily said yet again, because this wasn't the first time that Saul had disobeyed God. He said, because you have disobeyed, this is the end of it. You're king, you're done. God's not going to allow you to continue to rule over my people when you are a disobedient, arrogant, proud, haughty king. So I want to tell you this morning, church, God looks at disobedience very seriously. Very seriously. And I'm going to give you three reasons why we need to be so cautious and careful about obedience. You know, we have a tendency in the body of Christ sometimes to, to categorize sin. We, have, we think of some sins as being worse than others. And we typically think that the sins of the flesh are the biggies. You know, somebody, and, and sin is sin with God. None of it's right. Sin will destroy you. The wages of sin is what? death. It's a destructive force. But we like to think of the sins of the flesh, you know, adultery, fornication, and, and uh, perversion, all these kind of things. We like to think of them as biggies and these others as not so great. Well, those are big, but all sin is big because all sin has a destructive force. And, and it's just as destructive to lie. It's just as destructive to cheat. It's just as destructive to hate. It's just as destructive to be offended and refuse to get over it. It's just as, it's just as serious to be jealous and envious. It's just as serious to gossip. Well, let me move on. I'm meddling now. But God takes it serious because sin is serious. And here's why. The first point I want to make to you today is that blessings come as a result of obedience. Blessings come as a result of obedience. Let me read you from Isaiah chapter 1 verses 18 to 20. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins were like scarlet, they shall, they shall be as white as snow. Though they were red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and what? Obedient, you will, shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now God did not say, don't get this wrong, don't get this wrong. God did not say, if you're disobedient, I will come down with a sword and just wipe you out. What God says is, if you'll obey me, you make it to where I can bless you. And I'll fight for you, and I'll defend you, and I'll take, I'll take care of you. But if you're disobedient, you put yourself in a position where in the courtroom of heaven, Satan has an accusation against you. And I have to regard the fact that you're disobedient and I cannot bless your disobedience. I've, you've heard me say this before, but I, one of my kids had a, had, really had a mouth on him uh, when he was growing up. He went through that stage, you know, where he just mouthed back at everything. And so help me, there were times when I would be fixing to give him something, do something special for him, but he would smart off or talk back. And 
I, I can't reward that behavior. Do you, do you understand that? So it, it caused him to miss some of his blessings because of his disobedience. That's why God, God wants to bless you. Don't get the wrong idea about God. God desires to bless you. God wants to bless you more than you want to bless your children. He wants to bless you. But if you're disobedient, it puts God in a position where he cannot give credence to your disobedience. It causes him to withhold his blessings. So be, be, be careful about that. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. you. You've heard me say this before about your children. When you're raising your kids, listen to me, parents. You ought to praise character development just as much as you do talent and, uh, and achievement. There's some of you that w you wouldn't miss one of your kids' ball games. You go to their ball games. You're their biggest cheer. Uh, you, you're in the stands. You're cheering. You're screaming your head off. <clears throat> you're yelling at the umpire if he calls a foul on your child. <laughs> you know, you're, you're right there, boy. And I, I mean, they're getting all the praise and the accolades. Or you'll go to a concert that they're doing. And you'll applaud. and you're, you're, That's good. I'm not against that. Except yelling at the umpire. You'll probably all drop that. But, um, but the rest of it, if you're praising your kid, that's good. But you ought to also praise character development. When your kid does not smart off and talk back. And you don't know how much restraint it takes for a teenager to shut their mouths. That is really hard. They go through a stage. There's a certain place where they come out of childhood into, into adolescence and their mouth just goes wide and just runs way ahead of their brain. And something comes over them and they become argumentative and defensive. You can't say anything. Sometimes you can't even compliment them without getting a bad mouth back. You know, they'll say you're trying to make something else out of it. But when your kid takes out the garbage and you didn't have to tell him to, man, you ought to, oh, you ought to, you ought to applaud, you ought to say, a boy, way to go, girl, I'm proud of you. When they're obedient, praise their character, their character development. That deserves praise more than talent and the other things. So pick up on that and that don't cost you any extra. I just sort of threw that in this morning. <laughs> but blessings comes as a result of obedience. Point number two, favor for oneself and future generations happens because of obedience. Did you know that? Let me read you from Hebrews chapter 11, the New Testament, verses 8 to 10. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he should he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going by faith he dealt, dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise for he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God God called Abraham to leave his country in fact, let's go ahead and read that. Uh, we'll go back to the scripture in Genesis 12 from whence this came. Verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, this before his name was changed to Abraham, get out of your country, 
from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him that curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a promise of God to Abraham. Now let me tell you something. That was not easy because God did not show him the end physically in the natural. He just gave him a promise. And he said, now I want you to come. And he, he left his home and his family, said goodbye to, to all of his friends and everything. And I, I was preaching on this years ago. We had somebody here that had done a lot of research in the, in, in, uh, the Holy Land. And um, they, they said that from the land that Abraham came from, that his, the house that he had would, would be a magnificent structure uh, if it were in today's society. It's a big place, big place that Abraham, when he left the Ur of the Chaldees, he, he was doing pretty good over there. But God called him away from that. He left that and became a tent dweller. How many of you men would like to go home this afternoon and say to your wife, honey, I know you like this house and we just about got it paid for. But I believe the Lord wants us to move out of here and Get us a tent. We're going to follow the Lord. The Bible talks a lot about the faith of Abraham, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe old Sarah's going to get a pretty good reward too, don't you? It took some faith for her to follow that dude, to leave, their, leave her house and move in a tent and go streaking out across the desert. Yeah. But he obeyed. And because of that, not only was Abraham blessed, but Isaac was blessed, and Jacob was blessed, and the 12 tribes of Israel were blessed, and generations were blessed, and they're still reaping the blessing of that today. You say, well, preacher, what's that got to do with me? I am so glad you asked because I want you to turn to Galatians 3, 26 to 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. How many of you saved? You know you saved. You're children of God. This is you he's talking about. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. All right. For as many as of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ... Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Wow. Praise the Lord. Because of Abraham's obedience, you and I are still reaping the rewards of the favor of God that came through that obedience. Praise the Lord. You ought to obey God for your children's sake. For your grandchildren's sake. For your great-grandchildren's sake. Amen? It'll bring blessings to future generations. Now, third point, and I'll close this message. Obedience is for our good. When God tells you to do something or asks something from you, it is always for your good and for his glory. Now I will tell you, 
it does not always seem good at the moment. That's why he put that scripture in there that says all things work together for good to them that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Because everything doesn't look good because you're looking at the natural. You got to get above sea level. As long as you're looking at the natural, what God asks you to do doesn't always look good or seem good or feel good. When you're telling your little child that's just gotten to where they can walk and jump around a little bit, when, when you teach them not to jump up and grab the top of the stove, you're not doing that to keep them from having the fun and pleasure of jumping. You're doing that to keep them from getting burned later. Now that child does not understand that yet. It feels like to the child you're depriving them. When you tell the kids, I don't want you playing that now next to the street. If you live on a busy street or a busy highway, I want you to stay back. You're not trying to take away the pleasure. You're not restricting them to hinder them from having fun on some of your property. You're not selfish and holding back. That's what the devil wants them to believe. But what you're doing is for their benefit. You don't want them to get hit by car. And that's the way God is with us. We don't always understand it, but what God tells us is always for our good. Amen. Give God praise for that. And this is why obedience is always right. Always. And God said to obey is even better than sacrifice. God said, I'm looking for your obedience because I want to bless you. I want to bless you. <clears throat> you see, if, if we're going to move into that level, above sea level, where you can get into the blessings of God and into the spiritual dimension where God can dispatch angels to fight for you, where God can do supernatural things for you, then you're going to have to learn to obey even when you don't quite understand. It didn't make good sense to Abraham and probably not to Sarah either, <clears throat> but they saw in the long run the blessings of God. And sometimes God will ask you to do things that, that is what I call a an action that, that is symbolic. It, it's, a, it's a way to open up the heavens so God can do greater things for you. <clears throat> Let me illustrate like this. When the children of Israel had left Egypt and they got to the Red Sea and they looked behind them and here comes Pharaoh's army. They looked to the right hand, there's mountains. They looked to the left hand, there's deserts. And, and, and they don't know what to do or which way to go. If God had said, <clears throat> Moses, can you, can, can you part the Red Sea? I'll let the, uh, you can take the children of Israel across if, if you can part the Red Sea. Moses would have had to say, no, Lord, I, I can't do that. And God could say something like this. Well, can you point your rod out across the Red Sea? Moses said, yeah, yeah Lord, I, I, I believe I can do that. He said, well, hold up your rod over the Red Sea. And I'll take care of the rest of it. <clears throat> Did Moses' rod part the Red Sea? No, God parted the Red Sea. 
but it was his obedience. It was, it was his obedience, his symbolic obedience that made it possible for God to perform a miracle in his behalf. There was another time when Moses was up on Mount Nebo and they were fighting down there. The, the, the Israelites' army had come against them and they were fighting. And as long as Moses held his hands up, the children of Israel prevailed. But when his hands got tired and weary and he started letting them down, they started losing. He'd get them back up and they'd start winning again. Was it his hands that were winning the battle? No, it was his symbolic obedience to God. Stand on the mountain and bless the people. So Aaron and Hur get on one side and the other and they hold up his hands to help him. And God gave the victory. Symbolic obedience. The Bible is full of symbolic action. Water baptism is symbolic action. You're not saved by water. You can get baptized in every creek in the country. You can go back so many times to fish know who you are. And if you hadn't repented of your sins, you're just going down a dry center and coming up a wet center. Water doesn't save you. It's the blood of Jesus. But that command of the Lord is to see if you will obey in symbolism and testify before everybody else of what the Lord has done on the inside of you. Communion is symbolic action of obedience. Jesus said, take and eat. This is my flesh. Take and drink. This is my blood. Is it actual flesh and actual blood? No. I know there's some religion that believe that it turns to that. That's not true. It is symbolic action. Jesus is saying, this represents my body. When you take that, remember that you're partaking of my flesh. By my stripes, you're healed. Praise God. When you drink of that, you're reminding yourself that I shed my blood for you. Because of my blood, your sins are washed away. Symbolic action in obedience to the Lord releases or causes a transaction in the heavens that can be manifest on earth in the natural. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I remember several years ago, I was at a conference, and several of the staff people went with us to a conference in Baton Rouge, and Dr. Cho was there, pastor of the largest church in the world. And I remember one of the, during one of the Q&A sessions, somebody asked him, said, Dr. Cho, tell us how you have built the largest church in the world. Dr. Cho stood, and he's kind of comical sometimes, and this is what he said. I pray and I obey. <laughs> I pray and I obey. Everybody who was sitting there was expecting some great secret formula, something we could get a hold of. No, no, no. He just said, I pray and I obey. Folks, if you're not going to obey, it's not going to do you much good to pray. If we're going to get on this, into this level, above sea level, if we're going to get to this place in the Lord where we can see the supernatural, and I believe God wants that for all of us, 
I doubt very seriously that there's a person under the sound of my voice this morning that doesn't need now or that someday will need something that only God can provide. I believe that. You're going to need the supernatural to work in your behalf. Some of you need it right now. Some of you need a physical miracle right now. Some of you need a financial miracle right now. Some of you need a family miracle right now. Some of you need a miracle on your job right now. You need it now. Well, I want to tell you, it comes through obedience. I pray and I obey. I have a friend. We weren't real close friends, but we were friends. We went to Lee at the same time. I knew him. He knew me. And our ministries have crossed paths a time or two through the last 40, 50 years. His name is Doug Small. He leads the prayer ministry at our general headquarters. A great, great man of prayer. God has used him to start citywide revivals with prayer campaigns. Mightily used of God. Powerful man of God. And he's, he's been, that's been his ministry for ever since we were at Lee, which was back in the mid-60s. So he's, he's made a lifetime of this ministry. That's been his calling. But a few years ago, God spoke to him and Barbara and told him that the Lord told him he wanted to take a couple years out from the prayer ministry and go to a certain place in Florida. It was a Largo, Florida area, and plant a church. And he went there and planted a church. But if you know anything about that area, it's, there is no property available. At that time, and this has been several years ago, at that time there were only 13 pieces of property in the whole county that was for sale. The cheapest piece of property was $500,000. I mean, property, there's just no land there. And hardly any buildings for sale. You, you, just, you, you just can't, I mean, it's, it's used up. <laughs> that area is used up. And they're, they're planning a church. He, he developed a church. They're paying $3,000 a month rent for the, just a little old, barely adequate enough to start a church in. And he, he's praying and seeking the Lord. He said, God, I, I, we need a breakthrough. We need, we, the Lord spoke to him one day. He was doing a camp meeting in, um, down south somewhere. I forget what state he was in. But anyway, he's doing a camp meeting. And he said the Lord spoke to him in that camp meeting and said, if you will plant a church on the mission field. Now remember, he's, he's doing a church plant himself. This is just a little infant church. And he said, if you'll go home and plant a church on the mission field, I will give you a building. And so he went home, told his congregation, and they planted a church on the mission field. I think it was in Burma. They planted a church. And <clears throat> suddenly he saw right downtown the old First Baptist building. They'd moved out of that years before. In fact, clean back into the 60s when they moved out of that building. So it's an old building and had a lot of tenants since then. And so... Uh, it had been sitting there empty. No, nobody, somebody had bought it and thought they could make an investment out of it. It didn't work, and they were stuck with it and didn't know what to do. And so he, it was valued at 
it, it, windows were knocked out. I mean, it was just a wreck. It was just a shell of, a, of an old building there that was in great need of repair. And the, it had been evaluated at $230,000, I believe it was. Over two hundred, dollars I believe it was $230,000. And so Doug, Doug went to him and offered the realtor $20,000 for it. And to his surprise, they took it. Well, they started working through it, and something went haywire, and so he withdrew his offer and came back and offered them $10,000. And to his surprise, they took it. And then one day, the realtor called him and said, hey, pastor, he said, uh, you know, I've been talking with the people that own this thing, and they feel like they'd be a lot smarter not to take any of your money and just to give it to you and, and take it as a tax write-off. So they gave it to him. He did what? He was obedient. And so God gave him a building. So now they're rejoicing about it, and they, they go ahead and start. I mean, they, they, they were so excited, they got to work immediately. They go down there cleaning that thing out, and they got all their plans together, and they started actually doing construction work on it. Turn it, you know, getting it refurbished. It was a church originally. So. And then he got a call and he said, you know, we sold you this and we thought we had a clear deed. And we've come to find out that there's one man's name that has not been cleared on this deed form. And, uh, and, and you can't have it. Well, they'd already put a lot of money into it. And it, this was just a devil fighting him. So he, he prayed and he sought the Lord. He didn't know what to do. And finally, he got, the Lord said, have you checked the background of that thing? And he said, he went back and discovered that after the First Baptist had moved out of it to their new location, that an independent church had had it, another independent church had had it, and then a, <clears throat> then a charismatic church had had it, but then a gay church had had it, and then it had been turned into a gay theater. And then a new age group had had it. And they had all kind of crazy things in there. and Demonic, spirit world stuff. And, uh, and here it was. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, you, 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 you're going to have to take care of that. And so he got his congregation together. And, they, and, and he, he kept trying to, he called to see if he could get this guy to sign off, and he wouldn't do it. Actually, what had happened, a group that was running illegal gambling places all over Florida had bought it, and they were, getting all, they were laundering all their money through it because they were claiming it as a church. They set up a church. And he said to them, look, said, you know, and he said, they wouldn't budge. He said they wouldn't, they wouldn't talk. said they talked to him so mean and hateful. He finally talked to the attorney, and he said, the attorney, he said, I believe I'd have gotten along better if I'd talked to Lucifer <laughs> than when I tried to talk to that attorney. He said, that attorney chewed me out and said, we're not, we're not, you're not getting this building. We got this one name. We, we can exercise our rights. You're not going to get it. You can't have it. And he said, well, everybody else is giving it. He said, we're a church. And the guy said, we're a church too. <laughs> uh, and, and it was absolutely no. So he, that's when the Lord told him, so you're going to have to do something about the spiritual. Now, I know this may stretch your mind a little bit, but the Lord told him, said, there are demonic spirits 
that have set up their camp in that, in that location, and they'd rather see the, the place destroyed and lost completely than to see a spirit-filled church in that building preaching about the blood of Jesus. So, it, so he took his congregation. They went down to the, to the property, and they were praying. They sang some songs. They read some scripture, and they were praying. And he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Doug, this will not get it. You're going to have to do spiritual warfare, and you're going to have to do it today. Doug said, I got out a, he brought a big bottle of oil with him. And he said, I poured oil on the ground until it was running. I found a little crevice, and I could put my hand down and come up clean over the top of my hand. And he said, I got down on all fours, and I started praying and he said, I mean, I started praying. Now, remember, this is, a, this is a young church that he's just planted. He said, I looked up, and my parishioners, their eyes were big as silver dollars. He said, they didn't know what in the world their pastor was doing. He said, I got louder and louder. He said, I got to praying so loud you could hear me 10 blocks in every direction. But he said, I was rebuking demons and devils and claiming and cry, pleading the blood of Jesus. And he said, I felt it. When the victory came, and I got up from there, and I said to my church, let's go. It's in God's hands now. Amen. Amen. He, he said, he said, when I got home, before I got my coat off, my phone rang. And when I answered the phone, it was the attorney that had talked so hateful to me. And the attorney said to me, Reverend, um, I, we made a mistake. And he said, in fact, I need to apologize to you for the way I talked to you the other day. And he said, we've decided, the, uh, the man has agreed, and we're going to the courthouse and sign off on it the first thing Monday morning, and the building is yours. Praise God. God gave him the breakthrough. <laughs> Obedience. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to promote weirdness. I'm not trying to promote getting out and acting a fool. But at the same time, I'm telling you there's sometimes that God will call on you to do some things that may look strange to other people. But it may be that that act of obedience, that symbolic action that will cause a reaction in the heavens that will affect what's going on here on the earth. Amen? I shared with the first service this morning when we were trying to buy this property here, we couldn't get a loan anywhere in town. And we, we had never had any problems borrowing money. Our credit had always been good. Our church had a high, excellent rating. And, but at the time of the economy and the interest rates and everything, it was just a hard time to borrow money. And we had, we, had, we, had been, we had a project going, raising money. We had a good amount of money raised. We thought we had enough for the loan. We had, at that time, they were requiring 10%. We had that. But they wouldn't let us have it unless we had another 10% for the, for the building part of it. And so we were stuck. We couldn't get the money. And we couldn't raise that much money in a hurry. We, we couldn't do anything. And so we're just stuck. 
And I was at the, at, at the Wheatle Road Church praying one morning, the early, early prayer service, praying, just crying out to God. And suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, go home and get your wife and go to Chattanooga, Tennessee, to the city auditorium. Kenneth Copeland's holding a meeting. You go hear what he's got to say. And I got Faye. I'd never followed that ministry at that point. Didn't know a whole lot about it. I got Faye in the car. We drove to Chattanooga. We went in the city auditorium where the meeting was being held. And I hadn't been there a half hour till I heard exactly what God wanted us to do. I don't know why God wanted me to drive to Chattanooga to hear it. He could have told me here. But when I heard it prepared my heart, what I heard prepared my heart for what the Holy Spirit said. And the Holy Spirit said, go home and give away $100,000. So we drove home. And I called all the board members and asked for a board meeting. And they came to the church for a board meeting. In all of my years, soon be 45 years of pastoring this church, I've never been as frightened at a board meeting as I was at that one. I was so nervous. I was shaking inside. I was hoping they couldn't see it. And uh, I know Brother Bernard was on the board. I remember it well because I remember his testimony. But I, I shared with the board, I said, guys, I know this sounds crazy, but I really believe I heard the Lord say that we were supposed to give away $100,000 of our building fund money. Give it away. And Brother Bernard was the first one. That The Spirit of God just moved in that council meeting. And he started testifying of what God had done in his own life in times where he had been obedient and had given as the Lord had instructed him. And it went from there to the next one, to the next one. Brother Grilius was here in the first service. I think he was on the board at the time. We had several testimonies from, from men that shared what the Lord had done. And finally, somebody made a motion to give our $100,000 from our building fund to wherever God directed us. Somebody seconded the motion. It passed 100%. There was not an objective vote. Well, we, then we had to take it to the congregation because the board can't give away $100,000. The church has to agree. And I remember on Sunday night, we presented the congregation. And I remember way back in the back, Sister Lenore Thompson stood up. She said, Brother Bowen, if God wants our money, he can have it all. God's so good to us. And the church voted 100% to give away $100,000 of our building fund money. And we, we just gave it wherever the Lord instructed us. We paid off a church in Philadelphia that, that was providing uh, child care for mothers who needed jobs and couldn't work because they didn't have the money for child care. We paid that church off. We just, yeah, pay, built churches on the mission field. We, wherever God instructed us, we'd meet together and pray and God would just bless. And we just gave away $100,000. A week later, the president of a little bank headquartered in Thompson, I'd been to all the big banks in Augusta. The man that was the big guy at the Allied Bank headquartered in Thompson sent word to me through one of our trustees. And he said, tell that preacher over there, he hadn't 
given me the opportunity to look at that loan. Well, believe me, I made a beeline to his office. <laughs> Owen Crickenberger was his name. And he just opened up what the big banks wouldn't do. He just gave us everything we needed. And then at the end of our building project, and you've heard me tell that story, so I won't go through it again, but there was a lady that wrote us a check for $100,007.77. It pays to obey God. You can trust Him. Be obedient, and you'll eat the fruit of the land. Be obedient. It, it may not be easy. It's not always easy. My knees were knocking. I was trying to keep my voice from trembling. I thought, I've got 12 men here with good sense that are going to think that their pastor has lost what little bit he has. I mean, you, you don't go to the board and say, we need another $100,000, but I believe God wants, to give us, wants us to give away the 100000 that we have. Not in the natural. But you've got to get above sea level to live in the miraculous. You've you got to get above sea level. I, I'm going to give you one more. I, I'm going I'm to quit with this. I could, I could go for a long time, and I've, I've bypassed the, most of the third point of my message this morning. But let me give you this one story. Years ago, many years ago, the Church of God missionaries in Japan were named Ko, Ko, uh, Ko, Brother and Sister Ko. Sister Ko became deathly ill, was in the hospital, just about to die. And the Lord spoke to a lady to go pray for her, and the lady went and prayed for her, and the Lord told her to do something crazy. She got to the bedside, and she just threw herself across the bed and prayed for her. God instantly healed her, raised her up. However, however, after she got home from the hospital, she was attacked by a severe spirit and time of oppression. She just got so depressed and oppressed. And her husband had to be somewhere else one day for, for a meeting, and it, it hit her all, of, all at one time, just overwhelming oppression. She got to the point, she said, and she shared this with a preacher friend of mine, she said, I felt like the walls were caving in on me. I felt like the house was, I felt like I was smothering. She said, I I hadn't even got dressed. I just had on my house coat. I had a slip on under it, but I, I had my house coat, and I, I, I ran out of the house. I, I, I couldn't even stay in the house. I couldn't even take time to get dressed. She said, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just felt like I couldn't stay. I, I would die if I didn't get out of the house. And she said, I ran to a phone. And she said, we have some missionary friends that we are acquainted with in our town. They're not they were not Church of God. They weren't even Pentecostal. But she said that we got to be good friends. They're wonderful people. And said, I called that lady and I, I told her my dilemma. I said, I don't know what to do. She said, I, my husband's out of town and 
I'm standing here on a street corner in my house coat and I can't go back in the house. And the lady said to her, you wait right there and I'll, I'll be there to get you in a few minutes. So in a few minutes, she came and picked her up, took her to her house, got her seated in her little living area and put on some tea. She was going to maybe thought a cup of tea would help calm her nerves when the phone rang. She answered the phone and she turned and looked at Sister Cole and her face just started turning white. I mean, just like the blood had drained out of it. She was saying, yes, yes. And she was staring at her, said, yes, yes, that's right. Well, I think I can. Bye. And she hung up. And she went over to Sister Cole and said, you're not going to believe this. When I answered the phone, the voice on the other end of that phone said, this is Paul Youngie Cho. I am going through the terminal at the airport in Honolulu, Hawaii. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and gave me this phone number and told me to call. He said, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. You are a missionary. She said, yes. You have a missionary visitor at your house right now. She said, yes. He said, this missionary was very ill and God healed her. She said, that's right. He said, but now she is very, very depressed. And she said, yes. He said, here's what you're to do. When I hang up, you're to go over to her and lay your hands on her. Remember, this is not a charismatic or Pentecostal lady. You're to go over to her and put your hands on her head and in the name of Jesus. This is a spiritual battle. You are to rebuke that spirit of oppression. Command those evil spirits to leave her and she will be set free. Can you do that? She said, I think I can. <laughs> and she hung up. She walked over to Sister Cole, laid her hands on her, and took authority over those spirits, commanded them to leave, and proclaimed to her, you're free. And she stood up free, <laughs> completely free. <laughs> to obey is better than to sacrifice. If you'll be obedient, you'll eat the fruit of the land. I want you to stand with me, and I want prayer leaders to come and come quickly. Pastor Steve's going to lead us in some singing. He and the team with him this morning. We're going to worship the Lord for a few minutes. I'm telling you, this message this morning is the most important message that I preached to you this month. And you can wrap the other three around with this message. If you'll obey, some of you have hindered the blessing that God wants to give you by your disobedience. Now, this is not an easy message. I, I'm, 
but you hear this pastor's heart this morning. I want you to be free. I want you to have favor. I want you to be blessed of the Lord. I want you to be healed if you're sick. I want you to prosper if you're suffering financially. I want the bountiful benefits of God's blessings. I want, to, I want you to get above sea level and get in the level of the supernatural. I, I want to, some of you can have a breakthrough this morning. All you need to do is just go back to the point where you disobeyed God and say, God, forgive me by your help and your grace. I'll do what you tell me to do because I know that you're doing it for my good and for my best and for your glory. And I'm willing to be obedient. I'm willing to obey. If you're unsaved this morning, you need to come and give your heart to Jesus. You'll never have a better opportunity than right now. If you're away from God, you need to come home this morning. You'll never have a better opportunity than right now. If you're sick in body, you ought to come and let somebody agree with you and pray and ask God to give you discernment to know what to do so that you can get the victory. If you're fighting financially this morning, you need to be on your way to this altar right now. Let's agree together and pray. Let's obey the Lord this morning. Come on, the altar's open from the balcony to the front seat. If you need, if there's a place in your heart, maybe, maybe you've got a question. Lord, did I do right here? Did I miss you there? Where is it? What's, what is it? Come on and ask God. That's where you get it from him. Seek his face. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, these other things will be added to you. God will take care of it. The altar's open and I want you to come.